Welcome to the Ruben Vega Show, my free thinkers. It is I, Ruben Vega, here to bring you the latest and the greatest in South Florida, baby. Here we go. Let's get started. The other day I posted a, what should I talk about on my podcast kind of, uh, you know, poll. And I got some interesting little thoughts and tidbits. Um, I got some late ones. I got some late ones. Uh, Shout out to uh, Team Machine, Tristan. He says, uh, um, why do you get so political? And I let him know, hey, I talked about it the first 10 episodes of the fucking podcast. Go, uh, maybe you should go, if you really care, you should go uh, listen to those first 10 episodes. Because they were all about politics. Probably the first 40 episodes, maybe. I don't know. But again, we were in a very political time Uh, The last few months, there was an election going on, and I thought it was something very interesting to talk about, and I thought that uh, there was a lot of closeted uh, conservatives that were afraid to share their voice, and you'd be fucking shocked, uh, maybe, maybe not, to, to know how many people reached out to me that were on the right and were tired of all the left's hypocrisy, and were reaching out and saying, thank you so much for sharing this shit. Because I got to tell you, I'm getting really tired of the bullshit coming from the leftist fucking mouth. And um, and I said, well, you're welcome. And I, th- and I reached out to the people that, you know, red-pilled my ass. And I told them the same thing. Thank you for fucking, for, for doing what you do and sharing, you know, sharing your perspective. Which, which aligns more with what I feel is true. You know, it's not so black and white. As I've said in, on, on this podcast a million times, it's not black and white. We like to think that it is. We always like to think that it's black and white and, and one is good and one is bad and one is true and one is false and one is lies, you know? But it's it's very rarely like that. And yeah, I got political because we were in the middle of a, of a huge election. It's all that you could, everything you could see online was was regarding this. It was on everybody's minds for the most part. It's the only time that I felt very, very uh, um, politically engaged where I felt like I had to speak my mind and, and you know, just, just express my thoughts and my beliefs a little bit. It's, it's something I rarely, rarely do. I try to try my best to keep it, you know, just kind of casual and fun. But, you know, what is sometimes you got to get a little deep. Sometimes you got to get a little more personal. And that's what that's what I did at the time. And it was fun and it was a good run. We still don't know who our president is technically, um, but you know, in the end of the day, whoever wins, it is what it is, and we're gonna have to just move on and continue our lives, and hopefully, uh, we don't get sold out to China. Okay, that that's that's all I gotta say about that for now. Uh, anyway, something else, guys. Something else. Yesterday, uh, when I recorded episode forty-eight, this is episode forty-nine for those of you that. Uh, that um, are not aware. So we are we are very close to episode 50, which to me seems like episode 1,000. Shout out to One Piece for uh, uh, releasing chapter 1,000 in the next uh, week or so. It should be released. I'm very excited about that. I'm a huge One Piece fan. Uh, Monkey D. Luffy is my father. Anywho, um, episode 50 will be coming out soon. Very excited. I don't think I've ever made 50 of something, you know, content-wise, like an episode 50 or, 
you know, I'm sure if I combine all the content I've made, I'm sure there's like hundreds, but, um, it's nice to, you know, be able to say that I, I made 50 episodes of something. It is, uh, I guess a pretty good feeling or I will see, I will see if it is a good feeling or not. Not sure. We will see. We will see. My goal is to make episode 50 by new year. So I got, I have today and tomorrow to get that done. And I guess the next day too, if we're counting uh, new year's Eve, um, but yeah, guys, I'm excited. Maybe I'll do like a New Year's spectacular, even though I work that whole day. So that sucks. But uh, anywho, um, yeah, guys, I forgot to touch up on a few things when I was uh, talking about my 2020 recap. Um, this year was also uh, when I started um, the Ruben Vegas show quarantine season, which I feel was was a very refreshing take on my original show which I had on YouTube and it got a lot of good it got a lot of viewership a couple episodes hit the 1000 viewer mark which for me was fantastic at the time and it it broke you know a couple of personal records for me so that was pretty cool and um and yeah a lot a lot of people seem to like it seem to enjoy it I feel like every time that I try, you know, a new series, a new show, it, it does uh, surprisingly better than the last, you know, attempt or last show attempt or whatever. So I'm kind of happy about that. I want to see if uh, I can do something else uh, for 2021, something bigger and better. I feel like every time I kind of see what works and what doesn't, and and yeah, I'm excited to try some new things next year. So keep an eye out for that the quarantine season was a was a fun ride I shot it in my room no more green screen it kind of lost its professionalism but it gained an amount of um it wasn't as professional but it was more but it was at the same time you know the green screen and everything made everything look more official made it look more like a news network um the more uh the the quarantine season was just in my room um, no green screen, no, no big desk, just me talking to the camera, using a lot of pictures, which is something I was doing since, um, since, uh, 2019, since, since mid 2019 when I started season one. And it's pretty cool because I realized that, um, I was watching Andrew Scholes. I don't know if you guys know, I'm kind of going off on a weird tangent right now, but I don't know if you guys know the comedian Andrew Scholes. Um, he he's a very uh, famous stand-up comedian who started these things on YouTube and Instagram where he would do like these monologues, right? And he got really he got really uh, successful with them. They were very funny. They were very entertaining, and they were very uh, uh, different than the standard monologue, than the standard uh, talk show host, late night talk show host. Um, it was different. It was better. It was more more engaging, more relevant. It wasn't afraid to, to speak its mind and, and, and express itself freely, you know, because a lot of the, a lot of the issues with these late night talk show hosts is that they're so restricted with what they can say. And it, and, and it's, it's obviously owned by Hollywood and it's obviously very left wing. That's why if you notice every single talk show host at some point in their, in their, in their 20 minutes of, of bullshit, they always got to squeeze in an anti-Trump joke. They've been doing it since Trump got elected. There's always an anti-Trump joke. Jimmy Kimmel 
is is you know number one culprit of that and it, it's pretty it's pretty silly and it, it, i'm hoping that if you guys haven't noticed that you'll notice it now that there's always something anti-trump and it's going to be real funny to see these guys you know try to be funny without you know poking fun at the bear uh, so we'll see how that goes but uh, back to andrew Scholz. um he started doing these funny monologues where he would use pictures to kind of punch the punchline. And I don't know if I did it first. I'm not saying I did it first. Technically, I guess Daniel Tosh was the first one to do it. Or, you know, one of those guys. It's not like a new thing. But I was listening to Andrew Scholes on a podcast today with one of my favorite uh uh, podcast host slash comedian uh, Tim Dillon. I haven't really seen a lot of Tim Dillon's comedy, but I absolutely love his sense of humor. His podcast is amazing. I love it. It's so fucking funny. Um, but uh, I was listening to his podcast. He had Andrew Scholes on, who now has a Netflix special, which is basically what he was doing on Instagram, but higher budget. Same same thing, just now it's on Netflix, and he got big bucks to make it. I bet. Um, so I was watching this podcast. Sorry, I'm a little groggy now. Like, I feel like I just crafts. I feel like I need to take a fucking Adderall right now. I'm just like, I'm driving, but I'm like, I'm like woozy. I feel like I, I, I just took a fucking, took a fucking dab or something. I'm, I'm like, my fuck, I'm like looking cross-eyed and shit. Um, what was I talking about? I was talking... Okay, so Andrew Scholes. I apologize. Thank God this is in episode 50. Jesus Christ. Thank God. Um, so and this guy was on the podcast and they were talking and they were talking about how... They were talking about how Andrew Scholes wanted to beat everybody else. Like He didn't care that he was copying an idea... What he, what he was worried about or what he wanted to do was just do that idea but better. And that is that is not a bad way to go about anything these days when it comes to content. Like, you can copy someone's idea as long as you do it better than them. Then, you know, not, don't copy it word for word or verbatim or, you know, the exact same thing. But you can copy the foundation of something that already exists. And that's been done a thousand times and, you know, try it again, but with your own twist, with, uh, with your own, you know, talent or your own creative changes. And, and, you know, if it works, it works. And he talked about a lot of other things that were very interesting. He talked a lot about how if we're going to do content, if we're going to be in the realm of the arts, um, we need to realize that we are in a digital age where replay value is key. He talked about, you know, I want to touch up on a few of the things he talked about. He talked about how being a stand-up comedian and writing jokes for, for a stand-up set has a very short shelf life. For example, if you tell a joke to somebody on stage, if they hear that joke again, they're not going to laugh as hard as the first time once once you ruin the punchline that's it the joke is over because mo- most of most of comedy is surprise so if you take away the surprise it's not as funny anymore 
which is i think it's it's obvious you know when, when you say it like that when I, you say it how i just said it i think it's it's obvious right um what he does which is very interesting and i i think i'm just bringing it up because maybe somebody you know if you're a content creator maybe you'll you know you'll you'll take something from what i'm about to say which is i'm just basically just quoting andrew but um he said um what i try to do is throw as much comedic fire possible i try to throw as many jokes in there as possible because that means every time somebody watches it you know a second time a third time a fourth time they'll catch something new they'll see something they didn't see the first time or there's something they didn't notice the first time and he also meant talks a lot about the pictures that the pictures he times them perfectly so that you know, the first time you see it, maybe you're just looking at his face a lot and you're glancing at the pictures, but then the second time you're you're looking directly at the pictures and it feels like an entirely different special. Which again, adds to the replay value, adds to the hits, adds to the viewership. You know, when you post a video, you would like it if everybody watched the video two, three, four, five, a hundred times. We're living in the age of views. We're living in the age of views where content is king and if you have let's say i like me like i, I was like oh i want to try to be a stand-up comedian you know i just want to put dip my toe in there and see if i like it really i want that's really what i wanted to do but if i really really liked it i was gonna you know pursue it uh full time potentially um didn't get to that point because of the pandemic but because i started doing stand-up in february and then the pandemic happened and then i couldn't do it anymore So, for example, let's say that I am a stand-up comedian and I do a stand-up show for, you know, 100 people, 200 people, 500 people, whatever. And, you know, I do pretty good. A couple people laugh. It was pretty fun. I had a good time. I, you know, I, I, um, I felt good that I made, you know, five people laugh and yada, yada, yada. The night ends and I go to go to my house and that's it. And I tell everybody, oh, follow me on, on Instagram, on Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. And I go home. I could do that. I could do that. Or I could record a video and edit it and make it really, really funny. And, you know, and market it well and, and put a bunch of viral hashtags and have it get, you know... 10,000 views What's better Getting 10,000 views on YouTube Or performing for 100 people And having like a few of them laugh At your jokes It's a tough question If you would have asked me You know a couple days ago I probably would have said uh, Performing for the 100 people Because it feels more ballsy It feels more exciting It's more You know It's more badass to me It's more It's more It's braver For sure and that's the thing that I never understood because people would always say, oh, you're so brave for, you know, making content. And I wouldn't understand that because I'm like, what's so brave about, you know, about, you know, reading something off like a paper you wrote or, or you know, just winging something for a couple takes and choosing the best one and just releasing that. You know, it's not I feel I always felt like it was so easy to record something and post it. 
you know, the hard part is making something that's good. <laughs> you know, that's the tough part. But the easy part is just releasing it. Like, I've never had a problem just releasing content. I've never cared about what people thought of me, you know, to some, to, to, you know, to some extent. But I've never really given a fuck, to be honest. I've never really cared. I've, as long as, as long as the version of me that they thought was, was the me that I'm, that I'm releasing, I don't mind. I don't care what they think. As long as they're not getting false information, that, that triggers me. But, but, um, where am I going with all this? Um, I always thought it was brave to go on stage, right? And perform for, for 20 people. I'm like, that's so brave. That's so courageous, right? But me posting a video, you know, me me being silly in a video and posting it on Instagram and it getting, you know, let's say 500 views, whatever. It's a lot more views than the people, than the 20 people at that stage. So if you really think about it, it's just as brave to some extent. And I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm kind of like, again, saying that, you know, posting a video of yourself is brave. I really don't think it's brave, but... If you want to get technical, if I used to think that performing in front of 20 people was brave, then I guess performing, you know, for 100 people, 200 people, 300 people, 1,000 people online could be just as brave, maybe. If not brave, then it is it, it is at least, you got to be tough at least to keep releasing content because you're, you're getting all this criticism, right? You're getting all these people watching your shit and judging you and saying, oh, this guy's not funny at all. What a fucking idiot. Or, or maybe this guy's, oh, this guy's pretty good, but he's kind of boring. Or, oh, this guy posts too much. Or I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm just guessing here. But you get, you're getting a lot of judgment from a lot of different people. And maybe some of it is good, but a, a lot of the time it's going to be bad. Especially if you're new to this, especially if you're 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 a rookie. If you're a first year rookie trying to make some noise, well give it up for Juan Dasani, right? But once you get better, once you're not a rookie, once you get better and you know you you you've you've evolved and, and, and mastered your craft, it, the 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 good to bad judgment ratio is going to flourish. You know, you're going to get a lot more good than bad for the most part. Or at least it's going to feel that way because you're going to start seeing the profits. You're going to start seeing the progress. You're going to start seeing your life change before your very eyes. So, yeah, he talked a lot about that, how content is king, how sometimes, how he used to want to be a stand-up comedian. He got good at that. But now he is obsessed with being the most famous, basically. Because the more famous you are, the more and more people want to watch you and are entertained by you. The more leverage you have, the more power you have, the more money you attain. Because if you got leverage, you can do whatever you want. He was trashing Netflix two or three years ago, like uh, publicly, saying how they were gonna flop, how they were gonna be canceled, how they were gonna fucking lose everything uh, within the next year or so. And now Netflix fucking paid for him to have a special on their program. Some guy who was just posting videos on YouTube, 
right? And he's probably not the first that Netflix has, has paid, like some YouTuber, but he's the first like stand-up comedian who went deep into like the YouTube thing, who who was doing everything himself, you know, with a very small team, and then Netflix, you know, reached out to them like that. I, I don't know, maybe he's not the first to do that, but it's just very interesting. It just goes to show that it is the digital age and it's not so important you know if you want to do something in the arts it's not so important being on stage anymore concerts are slowly gonna be a thing of the past there and it sucks because I used to love going to concerts but even then in the last few years I haven't really cared even before Corona, I haven't really had this love and passion for concerts. Speaking of concerts, I think we can move on. I, I, I think I said what I said. Basically, the digital age is here. Content is king. Um, views are basically money nowadays. So the more views you can accumulate, the more power, the more money, the more leverage you will have. And yeah, man, work on that fucking content. Make it as, as, as good and, and entertaining as possible. But stay true to yourself. Don't lie to yourself and and become a fucking mockery. Like you know, try try to make something, make make something real, make something good. Um, and yeah, man, content is king. Long story short, content is king. Um, and and aim high, aim high. If you aim for oh, I just want to, I just want to be comfortable. You know, you're not. You maybe maybe might might get there, but you're not gonna get higher than that. You're not gonna get higher than that, and he and Andrew stresses that too. I, I love the podcast. He said a lot of lot of th- thought provoking and enlightening uh, things. Things that are kind of like obvious, but like you know, when you hear somebody say it, you know, somebody that you respect say it, it's it's really cool to you kind you kind of absorb it a little better, you know. But but yeah, man, dream big, dream high, shoot for the stars. Because say you know you want to sell out arenas. You know, you dream of selling out arenas. Hey, at least, you know, if you dream that big, you'll probably end up, you know, selling out theaters, which they're not arenas, but hey, it's fucking theaters. You're, you're going to be set for life if you can sell out theaters constantly. You can't sell out arenas, but you can sell out theaters. Jesus Christ. You know, that's just one example, but, you know, just, just aim high. Aim high. Shoot for the stars. Aim for, you know, try to be a billionaire and maybe you'll become a millionaire. That's how it works, right? You try to be a billionaire and you'll probably become a millionaire. What about trying to become a trillionaire? If you try to become a trillionaire, you'll probably be a billionaire. You know, tomato, tomato, potato, brotato. Well, yeah, guys. Speaking of concerts, I'll make this quick because I I, got to wrap this up. But uh, it is the the third anniversary of the Dillinger Escape Plan's final shows. So we'll talk about that real quick. Um, the Dillinger Escape Plan was... When I think of the Dillinger Escape Plan, I think of my youth. I think of being a teenager and listening to metal music and playing metal music and performing it in front of people and and practicing and jamming and, and being with my friends and, and making music and having a good time and getting drunk and, and, and fucking... And just having a fucking killer time as a as a youth as a as a as a growing maturing boy uh who who was turning into a young man 
and and it, it just brings back so many good memories. Whenever I think of Dillinger, I just think of my youth. You know, it's just one of those bands that you think about them and you instantly just think of untamed youth, you know? Just freedom. Freedom from the man, freedom from everything, you know? So when I, when I think of that band, I, th- I think of freedom. I think of freedom. They were a very chaotic band, a very fucking... They were awesome. They were awesome. And if you ever, in, you, you, you haven't seen a real concert until you've seen a Dillinger Escape Plan concert. You, you don't even have to like the music, but just seeing them live, you'll, you'll be like, holy shit. This is intense. This is true intensity in 10 whole cities, maybe more. Love that band. And three years ago, they played their final shows. In New York City. They played three shows back to back in the same venue in New York City. Um, and I went to every single one. They played one on December 27th, December 28th, and December 29th, 2017. And me and my friends flew up there, got a hotel, and saw all three shows every single night while in New York City. And it was a hell of a trip. It was a hell of an experience and one that I will never forget. One of my fondest memories as a as a young man. I wasn't a teenager at that point. I was maybe three years ago. So I was 25. But I fell in love with the band as a teenager. So when I saw that final show... It really did feel like I was closing a chapter. When that last show, when the, the when the show ended and I walked out of the venue, it really did feel like okay. That was the end of my youth. And when I mean youth, I, I still feel youthful. Like I still feel like I'm a young person. But it was the end of No responsibilities, I guess. It was the end of uh, not taking shit seriously enough. Like, hey, time to fucking man up. Fucking quarter century old. Let's do this shit, man. Let's start. Let's start taking life a little bit more seriously. Even if it's just a little bit. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. And we did. Uh, soon after that. Um, well, not soon after that, I think a a couple months before that, I had just gotten a manager position and, you know, I was a little intimidated by it at first, but after that concert, I'm like, grab your fucking balls and let's fucking do this shit, man. I don't care how fucking difficult it is. I don't care how stressful it is. I don't care how spiritually draining it is. We're going to fucking do our best and we're going to fucking make some money and we're going to fucking kick ass at this new position. And that's what I did. That was that was the new chapter of my life. That was uh, the responsible era, which is still going on now. You'd be surprised. Um, but I guess where I'm getting at with all this is that part of this new chapter was that I was like, I kind of don't care if I ever have to go to another concert ever again. 
because I was able to see this. And at the time, I had already seen all my favorite bands at least once. So I was good. I was happy. I had seen everything I'd wanted to see. Which off the top of my head is like the Dillinger Escape Plan, Tool, Mastodon, Gojira, um, Slipknot. A lot of other bands. I, I can't name them all right now. But I've seen everything that I had been interested in possibly seeing. Behemoth, Meshuggah, Every Time I Die, Metallica, um, Slayer. Saw I, I saw it all, baby. The the Mars Volta. No, no, the at the drive-in. I never saw the Mars Volta. But I'd seen pretty much everything I'd wanted to see. And when those shows ended, it really did feel like I, I definitely thought about it a lot. I'm like, I, I don't have to go to any other concert ever again. I'm still gonna go. But I'd be okay if this was the last one I ever got to go to, you know? Like, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Because I guess performance arts just felt like like I, like I was over it. Like, I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm always going to think this is cool and, and, you know, badass. But it just felt like the time to let it go. Maybe not 100%, but, you know, before I would be going to concerts like once a month. Once every two months at worst, you know, now I was, I was like, all right, maybe I'll go to one like every six months, go to like two a year, you know, if they're really good, really, really good, like something I really want to see, even if it's again, I don't mind, you know, just, just go to have a good time. It's fun. It's a lot funner than going to like the bar or going, you know, doing some dumb shit, you know, getting high at your fucking, your fucking friend's house for the 2000th time. Um, it's funner than that to me in my opinion and and i hope nobody takes anything personally i'm just kind of this is me just i'm very unfiltered on here if you haven't noticed so if i if i offended you uh shoot me a dm and go fuck yourself anywho i'm kind of over performance arts man i don't really well i guess stand up like again i, I love stand up and I appreciate it and I respect it. But it is it is the digital age. It is the digital fucking age. Donald Trump became a president by being good at Twitter. The proof is in the pudding. A man became president by being good at Twitter. That's how you know it's really the digital age. I'm not fucking. I'm not fucking right now, baby. But yeah, guys. This podcast was a little odd. I guess I'll call it the digital age. Like sometimes I record these and I, I don't remember anything I talked about. I'll be like, what the fuck did I just talk about for 30 minutes? And I can't remember anything. Now I, I just remember something about Dillinger and bro, Brotato, Brotato. 
Alyssa Milano, Nelly Furtado. I don't know, baby. I don't know. Thank you guys for listening. It's been a fun ride. We're almost at 2021. It is Tuesday, December 29th, 2020. And we are all still here. And hopefully we are here forever. Thank you for listening. Have a great night. Bye-bye.